0: i am vote for my line. for
1: Episode ninety-four of the You podcast. That was the most underwhelming intro by me ever, but we're just gonna roll with it. It's eleven p.m. on a Monday night, so you're getting what you you're getting what you <laughs> get from us tonight. Um, uh, we are here, Seth and I, as always. Uh, it is post Thanksgiving, pre everything else time, which is always such a fun and depressing. Week and a half, two week period. Seth, how was your Thanksgiving, and how is the come down after your Thanksgiving?
0: It's been good. You know, we got. The, it's one of those weird years where Hanukkah comes right after Thanksgiving, so it was kind of like you had that literal like two day period, and then all of a sudden Sunday night it's Hanukkah. Um, but my Thanksgiving was good. I um, immediately so we went to the. Um, you know, as people who follow the Instagram saw, you know, we were at the Black Friday game, and then I went directly from the Black Friday game to New York, and then to my grandmother's house, and then I called the student radio broadcast for Red Hot Hockey at Madison Square Garden. And that's just the most, like, the ter- BU played terribly, but. That's just such. It was such an electric experience. Like being in. I've never been to a game in Madison Square Garden. I've been to Madison Square Garden before. For uh, me and my parents went on a, a tour at one point when I was a kid. But Mm -hmm. it's just such a like. It's such a storied arena. And then you're sitting there like, and we're like right before the broadcast, right? And they play this montage beforehand of like moments that have happened, and then they show photos of the famous Jordan game when he comes wearing the he's wearing the Jordan ones in the 90s and he drops a ton of points and like there's a photo of him setting the garden record of point scoring and then it hits you and you're standing and you're like holy shit I'm standing in a building that Michael Jordan once played basketball in right and it's, it's just ridiculous like it's such a crazy like thought to just be sitting there and be like holy shit because like with the Garden, you don't get that feeling, right? Because he never
1: played in TD Garden. Well, I just not uh, er... was TD no, he God? would, he would, he would have played in the old Boston Garden.
0: In, in his prime,
1: he he well, never played in became, TD, it TD Garden. It became the uh, it became the Fleet Center in like mid two thousands. Um, so maybe it opened like, in ninety five. Actually, the Fleet Center did.
0: It, it, what, the building that is currently the TD Garden, oh, that's right. when it was known as the Fleet yeah. Center, opened in ninety five. So he actually did play in that he building, yeah. But at the very end of his, you know, years in, uh, um, Chicago, but like I don't know, I've just never thought of it. Like it's not like he. Had any crazy storied moments in what is now the TD Garden? You know, like right, MSG, yeah. he had th- those storied moments, like those crazy games. And
1: so it's just it's a whole different it's a whole different feeling. It was just so cool. Yeah, that 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 is pretty cool. Yeah, you had a busy day Friday. I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about the TBR Bowl because the video's not out yet, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But it ha- like the game happened, and like. I've already edited like a decent part of the video and I can say that it is far and away our best production so far, the quality, everything about it. Like it went. what I will uh, say to
0: kind of hype it up is it gets
1: chippy. Like y'all, y'all definitely gets chippy. (laughs) There's definitely moments in there that you have to go and watch the whole thing. Um, I think it's done really well. Everybody who helped out with it contributed to that and the actual playing of the game. Uh, and the production of it went really smoothly. Like nothing, what? there was no um, troubles or difficulties with it. We showed Shout up out to the played. camera people, man.
0: Showing yeah, up, losing their there asses is there. off
1: in the rain. Like, all right, the rain, here we go again. Well,
0: well okay. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't raining that bad. Like for us playing, it was nothing. Like, it, I mean, it got slippery towards the end. Absolutely. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, but like, it wasn't, It never, like, at at a couple of points, I was like, oh, yeah, it's raining out, but it never crossed my mind as, like, something that was affecting me playing. But, like, if I was out there with a camera in that temperature and the moderate rain that was coming down, not even moderate, like, just, like, the sprinkling that was coming down, I would have been fucking miserable. Like, playing is what made it manageable. So, you know, shout out to the camera guys.
1: Yeah, they they really, and you'll see in the video, they make the whole production kind of come together, which is nice. Um, it's the first time where we've, we've had, you know, photos of an event that we've done like professionally, like I sent the photos out to everybody in a folder and we put some of them on the TBR Instagram and you'll see more and more as the video comes out and, um, you know, stuff that accompanies the video, but it's the first time we've actually had photos of us at a production. And that's something that I want to incorporate further down the line at like, we do wiffle ball or even just like. When we're on camera doing content to have those kind of like it's not behind the scenes, but it kind of is um, because you're seeing us kind of working in a production in a fashion that you wouldn't necessarily see it. So that I thought was really cool. And there's a couple of moments that I really hope that like the microphones were good enough to get it because I'm pretty sure the camera the guy mic- was on the opposite part of the field. No, so it's pretty much like my, it, I've been watching the – I went through and I watched the whole thing. So I have the whole game edited. So now Got I'm doing it. graphics. So all the footage has been edited and put together, and it's basically like watching a mic dump. You can hear everything that we're saying. Like That's
0: awesome. There is, I'm it's, sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is one particular moment that I really hope makes it into the final cut.
1: Uh, there's definitely I, I don't know if there's one in particular I, I I think it's just because i've heard a lot of different stuff so many times that i initially didn't hear on the field um from everybody which and the, like there's some funny moments in there that i guess when you're playing i didn't pick up on and now i can see on the video and i'm like oh shit that's hilarious like i'm so glad we have that so there will definitely be clips that we can use like down the line and down the line from this, so all in all, I'm so excited it'll be out at some point this week, like obviously, like we mentioned, it's that weird week period between Thanksgiving and holiday break, where like you're at school, like doing school, but like there's no point in being here. Um, I mean, and, like that finals are coming up <laughs> I mean, I'm in finals week right now, and I don't have any finals, so <laughs> wait, so you're just like done with school. Yeah, like, I have essays and stuff due, but I don't have to show... You don't have, like, an official final to, like, go to? Yeah,
0: see, see, BU
1: does...
0: (laughs) See, that's even dumber than what BU does. Like, BU, we have two weeks of classes, and then it's finals coming out of Thanksgiving. I wish we would just start two weeks or three weeks earlier into the summer, and then get more time off in between. Like, just be done at Thanksgiving. I don't know about that. Because it's just... it's a weird dynamic where it's like, I, I showed up to, like, I have one class on Mondays, right? It's my music theory class. I showed up to my music theory class, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, I don't remember any of this shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've been off for three days.
1: Just don't remember anything. I, and, and, like, I've been off for nine days. Like, I had a nine-day Thanksgiving break. Um, yeah, which is crazy. <laughs> I come back this week for a week literally. And then I'm back on a flight to Boston at the beginning of next week. And I'm gone. I'm not coming back here for a month. So it's like, what is this week doing? So like I said to Seth, like tonight I've been in my room. My roommate is still home um, for Thanksgiving break. He's coming back in like a couple days. So I have the whole room to myself. There's nothing really going on. Everybody's just working. So I've been in my room alone eating circle K donuts all night, watching a pretty shitty football game. So. That's what I'm doing with my time because it's such a weird lull period between breaks and I'm just, I'm ready to get back and do content again. But um, yeah, so TBR Bowl will be out soon. Uh, Obviously, like I said, I have work to do, but I'm hoping I can finish editing it this week. Be on the lookout for that. We won't spoil it and talk about the score or anything that happened other than the fact that it's the best fucking production that we've done at this company in three years. So go and watch it when it comes out and um yeah i don't know lots to talk about that happened over the weekend so i'm excited to get into it all you had some agenda items that you wanted to cover i certainly have a lot of agenda items that i wanted to cover a lot of shit's been going on the sports world in the past 72 hours why don't we start with um your stuff and what you wanted to talk about and then we can do our crescendo obviously bring it back to football
0: yeah, so the, the first thing I want to talk about is a football topic. Christian McCaffrey go, gets an ankle injury in Sunday's game. Fucks me over for fantasy. I lost by seven points this week. The most unbelievable. Him and DeAndre Swift both getting injured. Just I, most unbelievable thing in the world. Um, but so he goes on IR for the second time this season. He's done. He's done for the year. He signed a 60 plus million dollar deal. He has played 10 games since he signed that deal.
1: Like yeah, is this guy worth
0: it at this point? Like when he's when he's actually healthy, he's probably a, at, often the best running back. But I'd say you know top three for sure. But he's barely ever healthy. So like wh- like what do you do with this guy at this point? Like to me, he is not worth that contract. Like he's a complete bust in my opinion.
1: Yeah. Um, I've never understood. He's a good player. Don't get me wrong. I've never understood the hype around Christian McCaffrey uh, as much hype as gets. um, I think he's a good, really good football player, but people treat him. I- I'm starting to notice, and I think it's just a weird off year in the NFL, but it seems like the guys who are, you know, the guys that you kind of talk about, like the top five at every position have been, totally underperforming and really underwhelming this year. And it seems like it's the middle of the pack guys who are like league leaders. Uh, rushing leader is Jonathan Taylor. Obviously, that probably wouldn't happen if Derek Henry was, you know, healthy. I mean, yeah, he but, didn't pass <laughs> Derrick Henry until like right. three weeks after he went down. But still, for him to even be number two as such a young right. kind of inexperienced guy, that's impressive. Uh, I would make the argument that probably the best player in the NFL or at least the most consistent or effective has been Cordero Patterson who is, has completely revived his career and redefined himself. We talked about this from a kick return specialist to now uh, he's a wide receiver and a running back, which I would also like to point out that like all these stupid football accounts, like Bleacher Report, whatever, the yard gridiron, whatever, they're giving Debo Samuel all this like praise for like, cause the past few weeks, the 49ers have been giving Debo Samuel running back duties. Yeah, and yeah. I see all these posts. It's like Corio Patterson's been doing this all year and he's doing it, it way better than you. Yeah. Way better.
0: <laughs> he's having it. Yeah. And Correo
1: Patterson <laughs> is having an underrated. Like he's going to get,
0: I think you should get a comeback player of the year. Like easily. Like I know there's no like yeah. comeback, but like, he, he's, he's just come out of nowhere and been a million. Actually. Right, exactly. Like, he's just been so unbelievable this year. You no, know, I actually, I guess Dak's going to get it, right, because of his whole injury. But, like, Cordero deserves some sort of, like, Dak's you know. Not playing that well, either. He's not playing terrible. Like I think he's playing well enough he's going to get it, you know? Like,
1: Gronk got it one year without playing outstanding. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, There's definitely, I, I think it should be Powers in Actually, he should get some sort of end of season. He, he, yeah, you he know,
0: deserves whatever. something because he's been unreal all year on a team. That's just so, so bad.
1: Oh, yeah. But it just feels like those top tier guys really aren't performing. And I'd rub Christian. Well, absolutely. Capri well, I mean, like half of them category. are out,
0: right? Like Michael Thomas d- isn't going to play a single game this year. DeAndre Hopkins has been out a lot um julio jones has been out for the majority of the year and even when he was in he wasn't playing all that well you know like literally the best wide receiver in the league this year that you like is specifically a wide receiver also just went down with a knee injury it's been robert woods like he's pretty much been the best wide receiver in the nfl this year and he goes down with a knee injury
1: yeah yeah i mean i don't know i just think about all the guys who, and I guess maybe it's a sign of the times, like we're just getting older, and so are these guys. But uh, guys that we considered a few years ago to be like breakout stars are really irrelevant. Even yeah. I hate to say it, but even Devontae Adams, who I think is you know probably one of the more talented wide receivers in the NFL, who's been performing really well, I I just remember like seasons past where he's been even better. So I guess maybe the bar is set a little higher for those guys, and they're just kind of having good seasons or or putting up good numbers. But it's like we expect them to put up great numbers. Um, So, yeah, I I don't know. I'd never understood the hype around Christian McCaffrey. I don't like watching the Carolina Panthers. I think they're such a poverty organization. Their fans suck. Their stadium sucks going to school in north carolina you realize quickly that people don't give a damn about the nfl down here they couldn't care less it's so fair weather coming from new england where you have a diehard football fan base to now like down here it's like they don't even they don't even know who the quarterback is for their own team um it's sad to see it really is so the panthers don't do anything for me and neither does christian mccaffrey
0: All right. So going on to the next topic that I had to talk about, uh, we're going to work our way up in level of uh, importance, I would say, or like discussion wise. Uh, Brad Marchand suspended three games for slew footing. Those who are listening and you're not seeing this, I'm air quoting the slew footing. Essentially, he grabbed, uh, you know, he was fighting in the neutral zone with oliver ekman larson from the close boards skated alongside him all the way towards the bench and then got him you know had his hands up around his shoulders and pushed him down and as he was pushing him down brought his right knee up and kind of got him like didn't even hit his skates like had him in the back of the leg almost and then pulled him down like that and there was no call during the game There was zero reaction from the bench that I saw from Vancouver. And OEL got right back up. Now, granted, he um, did slide feet first into the boards, which, you know, as anyone who played hockey and anybody who pays attention to hockey knows, like, that's not fun and that can be dangerous. Um, So, obviously, not condoning that part of the play where a guy gets thrown into the boards feet first. But... All of a sudden he gets a three game suspension and they say it was a dangerous play of slew footing and that this is straight from the video uh, from the Department of Player Safety explaining it and that he has a prior history of suspension. When you look in the CBA, any suspension or fine that takes place more than 18 months prior to an incident does not count as being a repeat offender. So technically, Brad Martian doesn't have any prior history. And by the way, he's only ever been fined for slew footing once. And that was back in like 2011, 2012, if I remember correctly. It was a one time thing. He hasn't been suspended at all in almost four years. It, it, you know, it's going to be four years in January when he had that weird play in front of the net where he um, tried to jump out of the way of the goalie and then his elbow came up and hit Marcus Johansson in the face, gave him a concussion. Yeah. Um but like if you ask me, it wasn't that bad of a hit. And then Oliver Ekman Larson isn't even getting a hearing for literally sending Anton Bleed headfirst into the boards. And then the other part of it is PK Supan three times in the span of a month had hearings and fines for what they called tripping, but was slew footing and didn't get suspended. So where's the prior history there? Why does he only get the $5,000 fine and zero suspension, and then all of a sudden Marshan doesn't even get penalized in-game for a hit and gets three games? It's ridiculous.
1: Couldn't agree more. Um, if you listened, if you didn't listen to our conversation about the NHL last episode on episode 93, we had Michael Lynch, hockey analyst, the TBR hockey correspondent, on to talk a little NHL. I thought it was probably one of the better conversations that we've had related to hockey in a while on this podcast. Uh, I would encourage you to go and listen to it because I would echo a lot of what we said there here. Um, The NHL just needs to get it together. And we, I sound like a broken record. I think we all do. when we keep saying that on this podcast. I mean, I mean this, it just seems pretty. um, I don't know what the word is that I'm, looking for but like they're they're kind of seeking out Brad Marchand you know um, yeah. because no I wasn't watching the Bruins game last night I was on a flight back to school from Boston but uh, and the plane had no TVs that was fun uh, I saw the clip afterwards so I didn't see it in real time I just saw the slow motion replay and I don't know what it looked like in real time but to me the slow motion replay doesn't look like it's a slew foot at all I don't know how many of our listeners have played hockey for the Seahawks just recovered an onside kick, by the way. That's sick. That's, That's unbelievable. Never, you'd never see that happen anymore. That's awesome. Um <laughs> I don't know how many of our listeners played hockey. Uh I'd assume a decent amount because of just, you know, who we are. Um but if you haven't, or even if you have, then you know that that hit that he's attempting to make kind of a a 50-50 puck where you're you're both making contact with each other and kind of following through. Because usually when you're making a hit in hockey, you have some sort of leverage. Either you're making a hit against the boards or you're kind of head-on collision. Uh, Watch the way Charlie McAvoy plays the body because he does it phenomenally. Um, he's a very follow through kind of guy. He he squares up the defender, you know, whoever he's going to hit and he makes nice, clean contact. Um, but in this situation, both the skaters are going in the same direction and they're parallel to each other, but you still have to make contact. So, and you're playing the puck too. So Marshan can't just turn his entire body and try and go. Um, I don't even know who is Ekman Larson and you can't, try and hit ekman Larson from the side like that because then he takes himself out of the play. So it's a very difficult thing to do where you're you're trying to, A, get to that puck before the other guy. B, take him out of the play so that that puck goes from a 50-50 to an 100-0 puck. And also keep yourself in the play so that you have the opportunity to then take the puck and make a play with it. Uh, and you're not trying to penalized for this hit and you're trying to keep it clean um, and you're a lengthy space away from the boards to where you can't really use the boards so this is an open ice hit that you're attempting to make side by side with a player and he's trying to do the same thing and when first of all very difficult to do and when you go and do that your, your natural instinct is to kind of Follow through up in a way. And I've done, you know, I've had, this, I've had this hit done to me before, and I've attempted this hit before because it's millions of 50-50 pucks in hockey. Um, but it's a very natural motion to be following through this way. And that's what you see on the video is, is kind of Martian successfully attempts the hit, and then his momentum is kind of following through this way, and he kind of juts his leg out after he's made contact. Um he doesn't go up to Ekman Larson and just kick his foot out from under him, which causes Ekman Larson to fall. Martian has successfully completed the hit and then his follow through kinda of, you know, kicks the leg in an upward motion. In no way is it a slew foot. Yes, Brad Martian has been known to throw a little slew foot action in here or there. Like I'm not gonna deny that. I don't think Brad Marshan's the cleanest player on the planet, but like you said. Ever since Bruce Cassidy's come along, I think that they've kept Marshan relatively in check. He used to be a very um, more aggressive kind of cheap player under Julian uh, uh, earlier in his career, too. Um, and he also, other
0: than the one Johansson play, he he really cleaned it up after he got suspended during the Winter Classic at Gillette Stadium. Yeah, that was really the wake up call for him. Because he really wanted to play in that game. And so that yes. was kind of when he finally realized, he was like, oh, shit, I got to clean up my act. And yeah, when Cassidy came in,
1: sorry, the the heater, I don't know if you that's can hear that. That's a unique sound. I can't. <laughs> okay, yeah,
0: that's the heater. We have, PU, the way the storm is, it's like a... um what's it called? A radiator, right? And the radiators yeah. make really weird fucking noises, and so it just started making that random yeah. noise, and so it completely derailed my train of thought. But yeah, Cassidy definitely, ever since he's come in, has had Martian really in check. But I mean, Martian plays better with an edge, so you know, he's always going to be towing that line, but he's done an
1: outstanding job of not going over the line at any point. Right. He's definitely cleaned his game up, um, and that was the knock on him earlier in his career, was that yeah you know, he's a dirty player he's not level headed he he would retaliate a lot to some big hits he's a smaller guy and and it, it is like a already you're you're in a big man's game and an aggressive game so you have to stand out and carve your name out somehow some way and he chose to take the aggressive route and the borderline cheap route and he's really cleaned his game up so it it's good to see uh but no in no way is this a slew foot in no way should this be a suspension um league that the nhl is running right now i have no interest in watching any of the games like at all if it weren't for you know like being home and going going to the games who's going to the games is fun i have no interest in watching regular season hockey right now like none whatsoever apparently i mean we were at the black friday game so we didn't even see it but apparently the broadcast on abc was horrible that that was what I heard, because my parents watched the game from home, and they said, like, camera was, like, looked like it was shot from a blimp. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs>
0: that fucking camera was so annoying. It was in front of my section the entire game. I'm just glad I wasn't up in the balcony, because if I was up in the balcony, it would have been blocking my view but it was super distracting just to have that fucking camera just moving around the entire time. Like it was so bad. And half the time it was still moving because the gimbal really wasn't doing all that great of a job of stabilizing the camera. It was just, it's, it was, it was a weird camera. I don't, I don't know that it really was all that great. I would have loved to have seen
1: it on the TV broadcast, but it didn't look any, it didn't look all that good. Like my dad said he couldn't see the puck um, and, that's probably partially his eyesight and partially the camera. <laughs> but still, I I did see a highlight, like one of the uh, goals that the Bruins had scored was reposted on Instagram, and I saw that. And it just so happened that the highlight was from that top camera, and you can't see anything. Like it's so far away. It does look like it's shot from fucking Saturn. So that's you know a major issue when you can't see the game on TV. Apparently, the, the announcers sounded like they had muzzles over their microphones. The announcers also don't know what they're talking about. They aren't hockey-specific announcers that they've hired. These are like sports no, broadcasters fucking, um, who can talk about hockey.
0: I think it's Steve Levy doing the play-by-play, and he does like Monday Night Football. Yeah, like <laughs> this guy came up like literally until recently had only been a Sports Center host, and then yeah, like. Yeah, he was literally the anchor of SportsCenter, and then all of a sudden he started doing Monday Night Football because they just have this fucking roulette of people doing Monday Night Football because they can't figure out a good tandem to do it. Right. And there's yeah, no hate to Steve I, Weavey as a play-by-play guy, but to me it doesn't seem like he's got all that much experience, especially in the hockey,
1: uh, hockey realm. Not at all. No, I, I haven't watched a single broadcast on ESPN, TNT, ABC, whatever it is. And I don't fucking advertise it. I
0: never, I watch ESPN all the fucking time. Like I watch games on ESPN all the time. I never see advertisements for it. I'm on Instagram probably five or six hours a day. I like I, I spend an unholy amount of time on Instagram. I follow a ton of ESPN accounts. Never do I ever see any sort of advertising. The first posts I had seen from an ESPN account at all about hockey was when they did a couple of small little things on their Instagram story about the Bruins Rangers game
1: to try and like advertise it as their big primetime game. I'm like, like what is like, well, I mean, I'm watching Monday Night Football on ESPN right now. I've seen maybe 10 or 20 ads for some random NBA game being played on Wednesday night. You don't hear jack shit about the NHL. It's all LeBron this, um, John Wall that, Kyrie this, KD that, DeMarcus Cousins this. It's like, do you, you guys bought the NHL rights last year, right? Like, fucking act like it a little bit. The NHL is such a mistake for the NHL. I said it from the very beginning. I said they're going to get lost in the fray of ESPN's priorities and they're just not going to be given any sort of time of day. And I was a thousand percent correct. This is a dumpster fire for the NHL. And if there's any sort of asterisk in the agreement that they signed, I would get the fuck out of it right now and go back to NBC or go to a network where you can be the exclusive sport that's being shown because it's clear that nobody cares about you here. So I mean, even SportsCenter, SportsCenter top 10, not that they've ever given hockey any sort of acknowledgement, but you'd think when they buy the rights to the professional league that they would talk about it, you know, every now and then. I haven't seen anything about the NHL, about any sort of – I think college hockey gets more play on ESPN than the NHL does, to be honest with you. It's all, like, top 10 plays. is like, oh, LeBron had this dunk the other night. Let's watch this. Where, like, there's actual talented plays going on in the hockey world that, like, no one has the time to – to you know sort through and, and Actually care about
0: Connor McDavid had an unbelievable Goal earlier this year and I didn't see It on anything other than the Random NHL accounts I follow Not like the right. NHL Main account like fucking Fan accounts
1: Same. Yeah it was on like TSN which is that makes sense because that's the Canadian provider right um, It was on NHL it was on Hockey collective whatever I didn't see ESPN do anything about it and granted, it's I'm so, so down bad. on ESPN to begin with. I think that this is a dying network. But um, yeah, this doesn't help. Yeah, they really got to figure out their NHL stuff,
0: man. They do such a that's the thing that kills me is they do such a great job usually with their football stuff. They do such a great job with NBA. Like you, if you are a fan of the NBA and you like to watch games, I know that you don't watch NBA games, but I watch the NBA games nba games on espn are fucking outstanding they do an amazing job with those they're so good at nba games and then a lot of these supplementals like first take like a lot of i mean it's one of the most popular sports shows around right like nobody can touch first take i don't watch it all that often anymore but it's still a great show i'm you know when they got rid of highly questionable i was really upset about that because i fucking loved highly questionable it's such a great show obviously once levitar leaves it's an issue but whatever Um, Around the Horn another great show like they do all of these good shows and SportsCenter is obviously obviously, like the flagship sports show in the world Like nobody touches like SportsCenter is the thing like they have all these great things I just don't understand how they can be so bad at hockey when they're so great at all of these other things Um, so we've we've touched on that now this is the one topic that I feel like you're going to have a lot to say about so Jake DeBrusque has officially requested a trade for the Bruins. Now he was a healthy scratch against um who, who the fuck did they play last I watched it. Vancouver. Um, he was a healthy scratch against Vancouver, and that was it said that it was a um uh, um a way of casting to jumble up the lineup, try to invigorate the team. And apparent so, according to some of the things that I've read. Um, DeBrusque has been like unhappy in Boston for a while now. And they, there were, he, he, you know, a lot of people thought that, I mean, including myself, especially once the Bruins added all those forwards and free agency, you know, there were a lot of people that thought that DeBrusque was going to get moved in the summer and it just never happened. But now this has been the breaking point. He's officially like publicly requested the trade. Um, I think DeBrusque is a stand up guy. Like I feel like he's going to, you know, if he gets into another game with the Bruins, he's gonna play his heart out. Like he's not gonna slack off at all. Um, but it's just not. It hasn't been working out in Boston. Like I don't think there's any doubt that he's been having a down couple of years. He was outstanding his first year and into his second year as well. And ever since then, it's kind of been downhill. And you know, you can blame whatever you want on that, but it's just a fact of the matter that he has not been putting up the numbers that he was expected to. Uh, so it's pretty clear that he's been traded. Now, I know that your opinion on the matter is that the best spot for Dabrowski is Boston, and the best thing for Boston is to keep Dabrowski, but it's pretty clear that he's not going to be in Boston anymore. So, operating under the assumption that he's leaving, I'd like to know what, you know, I I have an idea here of something that I think could possibly happen as far as a trade goes, but where do you think the best destination is For DeBrusque in a trade, and what do you think is the best return for the Bruins in a trade of DeBrusque?
1: Uh, um, I'm hearing everybody say Edmonton, just because that's where he's from. Right. Um, I heard Vancouver floated around. That was more so in the summer. Uh, I just don't know
0: what the Edmonton. You know, he's making three point six seven five million. Um. So I don't know what Edmonton's supposed to do
1: about cap, and I don't know what they're supposed to send back in return. Right. Well, that's the issue is I don't think the expectation should be that we're going to get much in return for him. Uh, This is a guy that I said this to Seth. I think he only works out in Boston, and I don't want to come at this from everybody knows I love Jake Dabrowski. Like, he's my favorite player, and, like, yes, now I have to actively seek a new favorite player on the Bruins because I'm – yeah, you know, my favorite player is not going to be on the fucking like Canucks or Blues or wherever he ends up going. Um, I mean, Brad Marchand's pretty cool, so I'm going to make my pitch for him. I've always been like, uh, my favorite player isn't like an A-list kind of guy. I don't know why that's always the way I've been.
0: he's, he's been my favorite player since I so I got into hockey around 2011, right? So yeah. that you know he was always, like he was not a high-profile guy back then, and he yeah, he was a rookie a player. Yeah, 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 that was his first year, yeah, leave, yeah.
1: and so. That's kind of, I, you know, that's why he's I mean, I'm, player, I'm thinking, I'm thinking McAvoy because, like, BU kid, um, my cousin's friends with him. I saw him at Zach Brown Band. He was a pretty cool guy. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you all updated on who my new favorite player will be. But um, I just, I, I do think that for Jake DeBrus' career, he just, he's one of those guys that I don't think will work out anywhere else. Um, I mean, we've seen time and time again Bruins players leave Boston. They just you just never hear from them again. Um, and I think that's going to be the case with him too. I really, truly think that his only place in this league is on this team. Uh, yeah. And that's not to say that that he can't go and perform well somewhere else. It's it. I think there's something about starting your career in Boston and not finishing it there that really deteriorates your notoriety as an NHL player. I think that there's such a rich culture of hockey in the city of Boston. And to start your career there, especially in the way that he did, he started in two pretty significant playoff runs. The second of which being a Stanley cup run to a game seven, where he had a huge part um, in getting the team to game seven of the Stanley cup final. It wasn't just like, Oh yeah, he was on the team and like, you know, scored a few goals here and there. I mean he was he was a big time player in that Cup run in 2019 uh 2018 he basically won us the series against the Leafs so especially starting his career out the way that he did it in Boston I think that it's kind of like a letdown to then go and just play for some other team where maybe the fan base isn't as strong maybe the team isn't as good um you know, playing for an original six too to start your career—that's an, it's another thing too. Some of these teams are just a little softer. There's there's still that kind of hard nosed culture, blue collar um, attitude associated with the Bruins. So it, I, I do wherever he ends up landing, hope for the best for him, and I'm still gonna root for him because, like, obviously this has my, been my favorite player, and I love watching him play. And like, you know, when he was younger and he was my favorite player, I was still. Playing competitive hockey and i would mimic my game after him in some aspects so yeah i I hope the best for him and wherever he goes i don't know where that's going to be and i don't think the bruins are going to get much in return for him because i don't think his value is as high on any other team as it would be in boston uh and if a team is willing to pay that value then hey good for us but i just don't see it panning out anywhere else so this
0: is my thought
1: on the matter, and I don't think this is necessarily
0: the best place for DeBrus to end up, but I do think it's the most likely place. So we've been hearing for the past couple of days, that the San Jose Sharks, I mean, obviously we've known that they want to move a van or Kane, but we've now heard that they're actively really trying to find a spot for him and that they're willing to eat the maximum amount allowable, which is half of his salary in a trade. He gets paid $7 million a year. So if he, they eat half the, uh, the contract, he's going to get paid three and a half million this year and then three and a half million for the next three years. He's 30 years old. So he'll be 33 by the time his contract's over. Jake Debrusque makes 3.675 million. So the Bruins actually end up cutting, um, salary in a deal to trade Debrusque to San Jose for a Vander Kane. Um, Obviously, Kane has all the -the off-the-ice issues with the bankruptcy and then the alleged spending of the money and then the alleged fake vaccine card and all of that. But he's an unbelievable hockey player. There's no doubt about that. He can score goals. And I think he's kind of the type of player that the Bruins might benefit from having on the roster. And I think that his trade value might just be low enough that the Bruins can either... You know, get them straight up, or even get a low pick or two from San Jose in a trade. And so, I think that's probably the most likely trade that I can see right now is DeBrusque to San Jose for Evander Kane in some sort of a package.
1: I I would revoke my Bruins fan card if that happened. <laughs> I hate Vander Kane with a burning. If you trade away my favorite player for my least favorite NHL player, I literally won't go to another Bruins game I'm saying that right now I won't go to another game I'm so serious I hate Evander Kane with a burning passion always have always will I hate the type of player that he is I he's a scumbag he's so dirty he's so overrated not to mention that he bets on himself uh and (laughs) like
0: That's the one thing with like Pete Rose where like if I knew that Pete Rose was betting on the Reds to win games and betting on himself to like get home runs and stuff, I would have no issue with him betting on games. Because that to me is just him saying that like I'm gonna go out there and work my fucking hardest every game and I'm gonna make a little bit of extra money on the side. Now if you're betting against yourself and shaving points, that's a different story.
1: Professional athletes shouldn't need to like, gamble on themselves. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> but I think it's not like,
0: and, and it's against the rules, but I'd be, I'm more inclined to side with a guy if he's betting on himself as
1: opposed to against himself and his teammates. I don't know. I mean, it's one thing for like us to bet, you know, because it makes sense. Like I'm actually betting to like make money. Plus it's just fun because like we read lines and we know sports, so like we have a little bit of an edge over, you know, random people who like are just picking for fun over 60 percent in pick them how are you um but when you're professional athletes it's kind of sad because it's like you have all the millions in the world Do you, it, it, to bet on games that they're playing and not to just bet in general to bet in general it's like all right maybe you like you know watching games with a purpose because there's no denying betting on games gives watching them a purpose uh, UVA and Iowa I had money on tonight I would never just watch UVA and Iowa play a regular season basketball game on a Monday night but when you have money on it there's a purpose now I'm watching so I can understand that from a professional athlete standpoint but to be betting on games that you're playing in, it's like seems like there's way more you have to lose than you have to gain there and Evander Kane's yeah. a fucking loser he shouldn't play for the Bruins ever yeah, I mean, like, that, that should I, never
0: happen. Obviously, everything that's been, you know, talked about with him is alleged. Um, but this is a guy has, you know, scored 30 goals and close to 30 goals multiple times in his career. He's a 40, 50-plus point scorer. Like, I think that when he's playing, he's a really good hockey player. I You know, say what you want about him off the ice. If he can help us win games, I'll take him. Um, you know, am I uh, like wh- I'm hoping that he can see some of himself in. Um, in Brad Marchand, and, you know, be like, yeah, you know, Marchand started off as like having this dirty reputation, but maybe I can follow his lead and turn myself around a little bit. And, you know, say he gets through all this and he doesn't end up being suspended, you know, or kicked out of the league for any of it. I think he can work out really well for the Bruins in the end. Like, I think that he can really add to the team. Now, do I think that's like the best case scenario? Like if they can get a guy that's going to produce the same amount as him in a trade for DeBrusque, I would take the other guy. Like, I'd rather not have to deal with the uncertainty of his off the ice issues. Um, But if he's the only option... He's the only option, you know? It's not like Debrosk's gonna put up thirty goals.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I've always I've always been under the philosophy, like I've said that I think I'd make a good coach, and if TBR ever gets big enough one day and buys a team, I want to be the coach. And my philosophy <laughs> That is the ideal <laughs> fucking situation. That is, that's what we're working towards. We're working to buying a professional sports team. I don't care what sport. But Buying a team. We're buying We're going to buy a KHL team. Fuck it. <laughs> Fine. Uh, and how I'd coach the team, I've always felt that you need to have a certain chemistry and culture around your team. Um, and I'd always value that more than talent or skill level. And I had a I had a coach in hockey who shall remain nameless, and I won't give an identity to, but they basically were under the impression that they needed to bring in just talented individuals from outside into the team in order to build a successful team. So sure. You now have a team with four or five really talented individuals, again, talented individuals, and then the rest of the team that was already there that team was no more successful than the team that I was on a few years prior where nobody was brought in and you groomed the team from within and you built up the culture. And what's happened now that those players have all moved on. And we, as a, as the, the team that was there for the most part have all moved on is that you're shit out of luck because it's like, all right, you put all your chips in one basket, getting all these talented individuals, you built no future, you built no culture. Now what, you know, um, and if we I were built a culture of uh shitty hockey players who
0: do shitty things, get suspended.
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, if I were a coach, my philosophy would be work with the group that you have within, not to say don't go out and get talent if it's there. But I, I would much rather prioritize building from within than going out and actively yeah. searching a market that doesn't isn't compatible with with the group that you is, have, and i think that's what the bruins do right now yeah normally i would agree with you but i
0: think it's the one situation where it's like there is nobody in the organization said so nick is not oh
1: ready. well no 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 not that but i think in the past few years the bruins have the bruins i feel like forever have always had like we're gonna we're gonna work with this group we're gonna Absolutely. bring in guys but we're gonna this is our core yeah, no. and this is our identity. Ever like since right. they lost the Stanley Cup, I think that things have taken a turn for the worse in terms of front office moves. Um, and, you know, like I love the fact that we have Taylor Hall, but when have you ever known the Bruins to go out and, and get a guy like that? Like, never. Um, right. And no, that's, the group... That's, they, this is the anti-Trade Sagan...
0: Like, going out and getting Hall is just the opposite of trading Sagan. Um, Right.
1: Well, even I just think that it's not to say, like, don't make free agency moves, don't make trades, because I think you should, but they've always done a good job of finding the right guys. Look at that 2019 team. Marcus Johansson revived himself for one playoff run. you got Charlie Coyle, and you dished Donato. That That was a perfect deadline move, very uncharacteristic of the Bruins to make a smart deadline move. Um you had well, shout out Rick Nash. <laughs> Fuck Rick Nash. <laughs> um you had that that whole fourth line. Those bottom six were playing better than the top six during that twenty nineteen run. And that was the culture of the team was like our guys are gonna go out there and fucking grind it out and, and get us those, you know, dirty uh crease goals. You know, they're gonna they're gonna play in front, they're gonna filter everything to the to the blue. Um and now it just feels like this team doesn't gel right. Like the free agents that they went out and signed this year don't make sense with each other. Um, And I don't know. I'm definitely down on the Bruins. uh, But hey, if we know anything about the history of this podcast, when I'm really down on a team, they randomly go on a tear as soon as we release the episode of me ranting about how bad they are and become one of the best teams in the league. So maybe, again, this is what the Bruins needed to get good again, was for me to, I consider it lighting a fire under their ass, rather than knocking them. I am motivated. I mean, hey,
0: you did the same thing with the Patriots. You released the clip of you saying that the Patriots were a disgrace and a disappointment, and then all of a sudden they won, what is it now, six straight? Like...
1: Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I don't know. That's my two cents on the Jake Bresse thing. I'll update all of you uh with my uh new favorite player. I don't know who it's gonna be. Probably McAvoy. maybe not. Honestly, I I like let's see, who's some dark horse picks
0: here? Felino is always, is I think a solid choice, but he just doesn't have a future with the team, right? Like I he's not gonna be here yeah. for all that long. yeah, um, I want a guy, I want a franchise guy. Frederick is a you know, an interesting one. Um
1: See can't around. replace Jake DeBrusque with Trent. It just doesn't happen like that.
0: If Charlie Coyle was playing better, I'd say Coyle because I fucking love Coyle, but
1: um... Oh, speaking of Charlie Coyle, uh, I said that this is so random. is not going to make sense to anybody listening to this podcast, except for like, if you've been here since day one. But uh, I said the thing about Tennessee, how I regretted saying the stuff about Tennessee. I also regret episode 24 of the review podcast. what did you say on episode 24 it's been so long just go back and listen to episode 24 and some of the Instagram (laughs) posts that took took place around that time like December of 19 January of 20 right around the one year anniversary just go back and disregard all those I regret those too this is what I do I burn bridges and I build them right back up I hate you so much
0: There's so much
1: disdain that I have for you. (laughs) Oh, man, it feels so good. I just love this. I love I'm in my fucking element right now. I just love it. I'm just on one. People know when I'm on one. I'm on one right now. Past few episodes, I've been on one. So, yeah. All right. Before we get into the nitty gritty of the episode, Seth wants to take a quick break. So he's going to take a break and then we'll be back to talk college football. Okay, we're back. Uh, Let's talk. Second half of the episode, I guess we'll call it. Let's talk college football because so much is going on. We just need to break it all down. Let's start with the scumbags of the week: uh, Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly. Completely yeah, what the fucking fuck their teams fuck over. <laughs> What is that shit? You have a team right now. I'm so
0: mad at Chip Kelly right now as a Notre Dame fan, I am pissed off. ok.
1: So let me ask you, are you more upset with the the actual decision to leave or the manner in which he told his team? <laughs> i'm just
0: I'm more upset with the decision to leave because. If he's out of town and he's not with the team right now, he had to address it. He had to say something to them, right? Like, and if that was the only, like, fine, whatever. He had to say that, like, do, do I think that he should have, the second he made the decision, tell the players? Absolutely. But since he didn't and then it got leaked, that, you know, I'm okay with him sending that message. I'm, I'm
1: going to read the message off in a second, but I yes. would just like to say, this team is probably going to be in the college football playoff. Like we know for a fact that there is going to be, and unless an in all likelihood there is going to be a spot available in the CFP, because we are assuming that Georgia is going to beat Alabama, which would in turn knock Alabama out of the top four. So it pretty much and Notre Dame can't that- drop because they won't play this week. Right, so at that point, it would boil down to Notre Dame or Oklahoma State, barring a Michigan loss or a Cincinnati loss, which at that point, those two could both get in. That would be utter chaos, and I'd love to see that happen. We'll talk about that if it happens, when it happens. But this team is the first team out. It's one thing for Lincoln Riley to do what he did. Yes, Lincoln Riley's completely fucking over Oklahoma. We'll talk about that. Chip Kelly, in the middle of a potential CFP bid, has announced that he is, he is leaving the school in which he is trying to take to the college football playoff right now. Insane move. Insane well, move. <laughs> I mean, forget the timing of it.
0: It just doesn't make any sense. You have a team that went to the college football playoff last year, is going to likely be in the college football playoff again this year, and all of a sudden you're leaving for LSU, who's been in the gutter all year long? And to be honest with you, I didn't even know that Ed Orgeron got fired. That's why I was so shocked by all this. I was like, "When the fuck did Orgeron get fired?" I was I mean, so yeah, Earlier
1: this year, they had an agreement that he wouldn't return, and then that came gotcha. out midway through the year. But um, but so yeah, I'm like not, it doesn't totally it doesn't upset. make I sense to me. To me. Like, I kind of understand. I mean, I I get like
0: wanting to go to the better, like to be in an actual conference and go to the SEC, but like LSU just ain't it right now, man. Well, like, I mean, they just—they're just, not champions two years ago yeah but they're they're not they they sucked they weren't great last year and they sucked this year so i i like what do you i've fallen I off and i don't think that bringing Chip Kelly in makes you like that much like i don't see how he's supposed to all of a sudden turn this team around i don't know why and i i get it he he went to a national championship and lost to bama and then he you know had a couple of rough years, and then all of a sudden he's back in contention. I don't understand why he wouldn't want to just finish it out. Like, do you have that little confidence in this fucking team that you don't think you're going to be able to win it this year? Like, that's crazy to me.
1: Well, isn't he's finishing the year out with them, right? I mean, yes, yes. He's finishing yeah. the year out with them, but to
0: me, he's just sitting, like, if I thought my team was going to win the national championship, there is zero chance I'm leaving.
1: Right. Uh, well, I would, I would say, I would. I don't I don't begrudge him for wanting to go to the SEC, which is like, understandably, the premier conference in college football. T- like, of course you want to go to the SEC,
0: but LSU
1: it doesn't make well, any sense. Seth, they won the national championship two years ago. Like, they're not. That yeah, far and they've been shit ever be since. A good program that two years, uh, and one was a COVID year, uh, which is understandable. Like, I don't begrudge him for that because, like, as good as Notre Dame is, I that's a step up in my opinion, to go to the sec and to play for a team that won a national championship two years ago. And that has the ability to compete with the Bama's and the George's of the, of the country that I don't begrudge them for. Like that's fine to me. It, to me, it's the timing you're, you are two weeks away from a college football playoff selection, right? Well, technically the selection is going to happen this weekend on Sunday. We'll find out. And then you're going to play in the CFP in a couple of weeks. Uh, you're two weeks away from all of that happening. And obviously this is a news report that leaked. So maybe he didn't have any control over the timing of it. But why are you even, why is this your focus right now? Because yeah. I, I know the fact that uh, Jim Harbaugh isn't sitting down for interviews with other um, schools, you know, like the teams that are competing for the CFP are looking forward to the CFP they're, uh, they're looking forward to championship Saturday they're not saying all right which job can I get next year they're going to use this season at Notre Dame to leverage it into a better offer Josh from Stanford for all the office fans fuck you Chip Kelly for that that's bullshit now I'm going to read the message that he sent to all his players so this one this, broke, it, it's, it's, this it's broken like it's broken like the afternoon I think was the news it's been the college football world has been flipped upside down Uh, In the past 24 hours. Um, And none of it has to do with actual games being played, which is incredible in the middle of the season. So he like group me his team at 10.08. First of all, (laughs) it it. it looks like a fucking (laughs) message. It's so weird. Right. Yeah. It's like just text email or text. Come on. (laughs) At 10.08 p.m. This is what Chip Kelly says to his team. Men. That's how he starts it. Men. Dot, dot, dot. Let me first apologize for the late night text. (laughs) I think that was the the best part of the whole message. Not, hey, guys, don't freak out about this news. Sorry for texting you so late. That's what he started with. (laughs) And more importantly, for not being able to share the news with you in person that I will be leaving Notre Dame. I am flying back to South Bend tonight to be able to, meet with you in the morning but the news broke late today and i'm sorry you found out through social media or news reports i will have more to share when we meet tomorrow at 7 a.m but for now just know that my love for you is limitless and i am so proud of all that you have accomplished our program is elite because of your hard work and commitment and i know that will continue i will share more in the morning when we meet again my sincere apologies for not being the one to share the news directly with you coach kelly if i'm a notre dame player I'm not playing for this guy for the rest of the season. I, I'd
0: be so fucking pissed at him, bro. It's such a bad, like, ugh. Is it safe to say bro, he's off. 7 a.m. You're going to make the guys meet at 7 fucking a.m. Well, yeah, Just to tell them that you sorry, don't like them the enough to stay.
1: Did apologize for the late night text, so.
0: Like, dude, <laughs> imagine... Dude, what if you're a guy, like, wait, I imagine, I mean, it's probably a scheduled meeting or something, but imagine this yeah. wasn't a scheduled meeting, and you went to bed at 10.30, no, and all it's of a sudden, you, a scheduled meeting. <laughs> like, it's got to be a scheduled meeting, but, like, imagine it wasn't, and all of a sudden, you know, you're a guy, you go to bed at, 10, you're not, well, I guess he sent it out of 10, away. so you go to bed at 10, like you're just off your phone, yeah. and then you go to sleep, and you don't wake up until like eight o'clock the next morning because your first class is at nine or whatever. Like I don't know what their workout schedule is. I'm sure they have early morning workouts. Or Probably whatever. up early, yeah. Right, right. But like, say that they like kid literally gets up at eight, reads a message, he's like, oh shit, my coach is like, he wants to talk to us. Like they already know that he's leaving, but he's like, well, yeah. For the average student
1: like me who goes for the average student like me who goes to bed at two a.m. and doesn't wake up until lunch, that would be an issue. Yes. Um I think it's safe to say Chip Kelly's lost the locker room. <laughs> I would imagine he has. I don't I you don't see, see much motivation anymore from these Notre Like what the fuck? Your coach quits on you a week before the college football playoff?
0: I mean the Notre Dame whoever, fan and me. Whoever Notre they, Dame has
1: to play against, hammer them.
0: <laughs> I mean
1: yeah, I hope I
0: like I the Notre Dame fan in me obviously wants them to win every fucking game, and so I hope that the players try to win in spite of him. But the thing that bothers me about that is, like, we're elite. Like, he calls them elite. Like, shit, if they're so elite, why are you leaving? It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, there's no well, uh, I, like, uh, in, like, There's no good I way. Don't think, of, again, like, I don't begrudge him on because
1: he's going from a an independent FBS to a Power 5. So that is fine. Figure all your shit out after the season's over. That's my gripe with the whole yeah. thing. You yeah, completely... Like what are they? The only hope that Notre Dame might have, or Notre Dame fans might have, is that the players are so fucking pissed off that they go out and, like you said, to spite him, they go out and try and just like play cutthroat football, um, right in his face, and just make him look like the smallest person in the world for wanting to leave and leaving in the fashion that he did. That's incredible. Lincoln Riley, on the other hand did this in probably appropriate fashion, but what he's doing is, I think, much worse. I don't begrudge... This is the opposite situation for me. I don't begrudge Lincoln Riley for the timing. I begrudge him for doing what he did. Lincoln Riley basically forced Oklahoma to make a move to the SEC. No one's talking about this, by the way, that Lincoln Riley was one of the driving forces behind Oklahoma's move to the SEC, and then... Jumped ship and is leaving for the Pac-12 a couple of years before this move is made. And oh, by the way, he's taken all his recruits with him and his entire coaching staff. <laughs> and just like that, in the middle of the night, he's gone. He literally got on a plane at like 1 a.m. last night and flew to L.A. with like his his quarterbacks coach and his head of scouting, his recruiting guy, or whatever. Um, and he's not coming back. Caleb Williams took quarterback at Oklahoma out of his Instagram bio today and posted a picture of him looking upset on the bench. You're fucking high. If you think he's not transferring to USC, Spencer Rattler's now entering the transfer portal. He's not going to USC. He hates Lincoln Riley's guts for benching him, but he's leaving Oklahoma. they one glimmer of hope. He's gone. Oklahoma's top recruit coming out of high school announced his decommitment today because of quote recent events, AKA the guy who was vouching for me to go to Oklahoma is now coaching at USC, and I'm going with him.
0: Oh, oh I should point out that we just called him Chip Kelly multiple times. It's Brian Kelly. It's Chip Kelly's brother. I think I called him oh. Chip Kelly.
1: Yeah, whatever. Uh, no, I think I did first. I didn't even realize. Where's Chip Kelly? Oregon? Is he even coaching still? He was at Oregon, then got absolutely he the Eagles as a coach and came as back. Eagles. I don't know. Whatever
0: yeah, it is. It's Brian Kelly. They're both irrelevant. Fuck Brian Kelly. <laughs> right.
1: Um, oh, he's the head coach of the Bruins now. The UCLA Bruins. UCLA. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, okay. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, this is a crazy move from Lincoln Riley. I think he's, he, this is unprecedented in college football. He's completely fucking Oklahoma over. Now they're, they have to go to the SEC with nothing. They Talk, yeah. talk about what like we were talking about with the NHL, building no future. They just lost everything. You lost your franchise coach. You lost your starting quarterback. You lost your at-one-time starting quarterback. You just lost your biggest recruit quarterback out of the high school class. Like, and you have to go and play against the big dogs in the SEC. You were probably going to struggle with that with all of those parts on your side. Now they're gone. What the fuck are you going to do? I mean, they'll probably find a way, right? There's plenty of coaches out there that are looking for jobs, but wow. uh, I did not see that one coming. That one came out of left field for me. That one completely came out of left field.
0: Another uh, knock on Brian Kelly is the fact that he he went to the prep. So there's another knock on him. No wonder why I hate the guy. He's from Everett and his brother was born in Dover, New Hampshire. He went to the prep and then went to Assumption for college. Uh, good for him. Uh, I didn't I didn't I had no idea that they were from around here. But um no, you haven't even touched on the craziest point of this. I'm trying to find it. I don't know where it was posted that I saw it. Um I'm trying to think of what it would have been posted on, but the new um so with his contract with USC, so he's got his contract, but then he's oh, got the house thing. Yeah. yeah. So the um, I'm trying to figure out where where I saw it. Maybe it was on Bleacher Report. Um. So he's got in USC to purchase his two houses at um over five hundred thousand dollars above asking price as a one million dollar bonus right he then also has gotten usc to allow him usc has then also purchased him a home and then his family has access to a private jet um funded by usc 24 7 like, 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 here we go. Not confirmed. Best I could do: one hundred and ten million. USC buying both his homes in Norman for five hundred thousand over asking price. They're buying a six million dollar home in Los Angeles for him, and unlimited use of a private jet twenty four seven for the family. This is the most
1: unreal contract I have ever seen. I would also like to point out that it's on the TV right now. Both of these guys, Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley, within the week committed to not leaving their schools. I would also just like to point that out. (laughs) How scummy of both of them it is! Like, if yes, that's a hard question to get asked because, like, a week. I mean, it's more so on Lincoln. It's more so on um, Lincoln Riley than I guess Brian Kelly because, like, Brian Kelly already. Fucked his team over in the middle of a playoff run. Lincoln Riley was like, you know, out of the season when he did it. But like to be asked that question, obviously, it's a tough thing to do. Like, oh, do you see yourself leaving Oklahoma? Do you see yourself leaving Notre Dame? What what does the future hold for you in terms of are you going to stay? Are you going to leave? I mean, it's hard to say like, oh, yeah, you know, we're not sure I might leave, you know. Yeah, you can't when you have a season that. going on. But you also but then you also if you're planning on leaving, can't come out and outright say you're going to stay and then leave. But that's clearly what these two did. Uh, they're yeah. interviewing Lincoln Riley right now on TV. Like what the fuck? Um yeah, I don't know. Crazy crazy shit. Um while we're on the subject of it, let's talk CFP and then we'll probably call it a night and then do a second podcast this week about Pickems. Um but This past weekend was rivalry weekend in college football. I can confidently say that it was the most fun I've had watching college football in a long fucking time. Uh, I sat down on the couch at 12 12 p.m. I watched Michigan-Ohio State. Greatest college football game of the year, I think. I think it's game of the year candidate already. And then at 3.30, the Iron Bowl was on. That game went to four overtimes. Probably one of the probably top the Michigan Ohio State game in terms of entertainment level Alabama almost had their playoff chances ruined by Auburn that was a great game. Auburn quarterbacks hobbling around on one leg out there can't even stand uh Finley and he's playing excellent overtime. They just came up a little bit too short had opportunities to win that game There's multiple opportunities to win that game that couldn't finish uh, and then what was the game at night? Uh, there was another game at night too that was that was big I, I'm blanking i Oh, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma, Bedlam. Uh, That game was great, too. I I mean, Oklahoma State mounts this crazy comeback at the end of the game to come back and win. They were down by, like, two scores late, and they came back and won the game. Unbelievable day of college football, and then sprinkle in other games here and there, Michigan State, Penn State. You couldn't even see the field. There was so much snow on it. It was just a classic, like, football guy watching football day. It was awesome, and I'm so excited for the CFP and for Championship Saturday now because the groundwork has been laid with Rivalry Weekend for some great football down the stretch. So let's update our top four right now. The CFP comes out tomorrow night. Uh, I think we can safely predict what it's going to be right now. Um, I think yeah, it's I mean, in no particular order, but I think we know who the four are going to be. Yes. And I think it's going to be Georgia, Michigan, Cincy, Bama right now.
0: Yes, those are definitely the four. And I think it's going to be Georgia, Bama, Michigan, Cincy.
1: I think think they're going to put Michigan at two.
0: So my only thing is that if Bama as a one loss was already ranked higher than Michigan as a one loss, I don't think that Michigan beating the number two team in the country is going to vault them over
1: Alabama. I, think it, one because, thing like I think it does because of the fashion that they beat them in. It, was, it wasn't even kind of close. And right. Bama struggled this weekend. This is so I, I can't make a case for Bama moving up. I, like, the only case I'd be able to make is like, okay, now that Michigan's in, Bama is probably better than Michigan, so they deserve the two. But Michigan knocked off the two. And did it like in great yeah. fashion. I can't make a case for saying like, "Oh, Bama won the Iron Bowl in four overtimes." Alabama didn't deserve to win that game. I
0: just think um, the way the 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 committee's been, I feel like it's most likely going to be Georgia, Michigan, or sorry, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati.
1: Yeah, probably. Uh, it, it, but in you know whichever four they go with, like. Those that is four. the four, and then Until Notre Dame would be weekend. five. I, I think know, State OK State's probably going to be six.
0: I I'd, I'd say uh, Ohio State's probably seven or eight. Even with yeah, two I losses. mean,
1: past past six, it's not going to matter. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't fucking matter. But there's there's no other team that is vouching. So the only chaos that that we could end up having is if a if Michigan loses the Big Ten championship, that would create shockwaves.
0: Well, if Michigan loses and Cincinnati loses, those are the two, big because all of a sudden Bama's going to lose and you're going to have three of the four teams
1: in, losing on championship weekend.
0: Right. And so Notre, like if, if, if somehow Michigan loses, Cincinnati loses, and Alabama loses, Notre Dame all of a sudden becomes the second best team. The in the and then Oklahoma State's probably going to end up three. And then... I don't. Who? I mean, I don't. I don't even know who else could end up there. I mean, who's uh, who's after them in the state? It just somehow Ohio. I mean, Ohio State can't jump There's no way. I mean, they'd put uh, a two-loss team, but they wouldn't be able to put Ohio State in there. Baylor probably.
1: Which which would be well? Baylor plays OK State, don't they? Oh, that's right, because that's the Big 12 championship Oh, okay, so, the, yeah So Baylor, like, assuming the next. OK State Went, Ole Miss,
0: all of a sudden Ole Miss finds
1: their way into the fucking That'd be insanity Oklahoma's right after him, And Oklahoma's a one-loss team, so they could make their Like, that. I don't think that's going to happen But imagine if we have so much I hope chaos. it happens <laughs> I, Nothing would make <laughs> me
0: happier than seeing the chaos That would be
1: Bama, Michigan and since always. Well, here's, here's the other thing. Iowa beats Michigan in the Big Ten championship. Does Iowa sneak in? <laughs> well, what's, what's <laughs> Iowa's record right now? Are they at one they're loss? They're 9 and 2. They're 9 and 2.
0: So I don't know if 10 2 winning the
1: Big Ten is good enough. You don't have any other one loss teams. There's no one loss teams uh, behind them? Oklahoma's the only other one loss team ahead of them, and they're not playing in the Big 12 championship. Yeah, so you can't put them in. Wait, Oklahoma's two loss. They lost to Oklahoma State this weekend, and they lost to Baylor earlier this year. Why does it say 10-1? and one? Oh, this is updated as of last week, because Ohio State is one loss on here, too.
0: So the current predictions are Georgia, Michigan, Bama, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and then Ohio State at seven. Ohio State doesn't play a game. Baylor's, you know, so say Baylor loses to Oklahoma State. You can't put in a
1: team that wasn't in a championship game.
0: Right, but then then the issue is, so say Michigan, Bama, and Cincinnati all lose. Notre Dame jumps up to two. Let's say Oklahoma State wins a Big 12 game. They jump up to three. Then Iowa would be four.
1: Right, because the only way... Right, because then
0: Iowa... Yeah, because literally everybody else other than San Diego State and Houston is at least a two-loss team. So, yeah, that that would be Iowa. Iowa would make probably the biggest jump in history. I'd be surprised if there was a team that jumped more than 12 spots... Yeah, probably never. ...on the last weekend of
1: college football like that'd be no, fucking crazy and you could use the process of like this team beat this team beat if Iowa beats Michigan then I think that that would be an automatic bid for them and right? I
0: mean no one else would be would have a better resume at that point Oklahoma like you couldn't put Ohio State in over Michigan because Michigan beat Ohio State you couldn't put Michigan in because all of a sudden they're a two lost team and they just lost to Iowa like you can't say that they're better than Iowa if Iowa beats them
1: the only spoiler of this whole crazy fantasy hypothetical situation is if Georgia loses the sec championship.
0: Yeah. Fucking fucking Georgia. Watch them lose the sec championship. Cause that they will stay in the top four. If
1: they me. lose it, they'll still be number one. Still. That'd be their first loss.
0: You don't think that so, so, like, say Bama is the three, which they probably will be. You don't think that Bama jumps up to one and they move Georgia. If Bama beats Georgia.
1: I don't, I don't know because because if you're judging it based off of like strength of loss, Bama's loss is a lot worse than Georgia's loss, even though Bama beat Georgia head to head. I still think well, Georgia which has Bama's a stronger. Who did they lose to? Was it Ole Miss, right? Or Mississippi yeah. State? Or Ole Miss? Wait, who did well, Bama it's, lose it's One of the two. Now, either way, it doesn't make a difference because either one of them is going to be a worse loss. Hold on. Texas A&M, sorry, Texas A&M. I oh. knew it was a maroon school, Texas A&M, which that's not any better. Um, no. And Georgia's one loss would be to the three seed. So Texas A&M, at the, at the time of beating Bama, I believe, was a 24 seed. Yes. Or unless that means they're 24 seed now, but it doesn't matter. You can still make the argument that Bama's loss was to a top three team and Alabama, I mean, Georgia's loss was to a top three team. Alabama's loss was to a team that was barely inside the top 25 that's where the argument would come into play. I don't know. I'm so excited to see how it shapes out. It's going to be fucking awesome. Um but let's make our predictions. CFP Championship Saturday coming up this weekend. Who do you think is going to be in the top 4 at the end of the year? At the end of the year? Well, I mean, at the end of the week, which is the end of the year.
0: Uh, yeah, and, and so after Saturday, I think the top 4 is going to be in no particular order but likely in this order. Uh, Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Notre Dame.
1: See, as much as I like Notre Dame, I really want to make the case for Oklahoma State because they look so I, fucking good this year.
0: I just, I don't think that them winning the Big 12 can jump them to over Notre Dame. If they weren't better than Notre Dame now, them winning the Big 12 doesn't, Make them better than Notre Dame. It's not like Baylor's some crazy good, like, they're a good team this year, but it's not like, you know, it'd be different to me if Baylor was the fifth team in the country, right? Like, if, if, if you're Oklahoma yeah. State and you beat the fifth ranked team in the country, I, I think that I, I can see the logic in that, and the logic in that is going to, you know, if they jumped on the logic in that's going to be, hey, they're in a conference, they won their conference championship. And they were right behind Notre Dame, right. and that jumps them. And Notre Dame gets screwed by not having it. But I just I don't I don't know that they can justify. Like the only way that I can see the the committee being able to justify them jumping Notre Dame is if they um, shut out Baylor and win like fifty four to nothing or something crazy like that. You know, like, if it is just an yeah. unbelievable blowout in that situation,
1: I could see them jump them. But I just, it would I don't need know to be a statement victory, victory for sure. I mean, they had a statement victory against Oklahoma last week, and they've continued to just rise and rise. Hey, they're going to miss out on the playoff in, in all likelihood, which sucks. Um, yeah, but they they'll probably, as long as they keep their team together, they'll make it next year. I might play devil's advocate here just because, um, okay, this is what I want the playoff to be i want the playoff to be georgia michigan cincinnati oklahoma state in that order i don't think that's going to end up happening i'm going to play devil's advocate this is not a prediction by any means but more of just like a one-off whatever i think georgia loses the sec championship georgia mm. uh. If Bama beats Georgia, they have to be at least the two seed. There's
0: no way that you can justify yeah, not but then they're having hopping the team.
1: Michigan,
0: Ugh. which makes sense, a one loss team hops a one loss Michigan. Michigan's best win is to beat the number two seed. Alabama's best win is to beat the number one. They have to be two. Right. All right. on All beat. Right. like there's no way you can justify it.
1: Okay, it, okay, in no order: Georgia, Bama, Cincinnati, Michigan. Fair enough. I think that that that's going to roll out as the CFP tomorrow night: Georgia, Bama, Cincinnati, Michigan, in no particular order. And I think that's going to remain the CFP. I don't know why, but Alabama always finds a way to just get themselves into the CFP, which sucks. But uh, I don't know. I just. I, I mean, it's, it's only been like that. one year that they didn't make it, right? Yeah, it was the year that Tua got hurt, right? So, um. And that that was the year that LSU ended up winning the national championship as well. And guess who Bama played in their bowl game? Michigan. (sighs) I believe it was the Outback Bowl. It's all connected. But it was some shitty bowl game against Michigan. Um, Okay. I'm going to say... I'm going to stick to a top four because I want to talk about what the CFP would actually be. I'm going to say... Bama, Georgia... Michigan, Cincinnati. I think that's fair. And that sucks because then it's going to be a Bama, Georgia national championship. Hmm. And I can't root for Georgia.
0: So no, I have okay. to root for Bama, which sucks.
1: Okay. I, I want Cincinnati to make, I don't know. Fuck this. We'll talk about it after championship Saturday. That's my, t- that. those are my four, Georgia, Bama, Cincy, Michigan. And that's all, yep. I've, got. all I've got. It's almost 1 a.m. It's so late. Love it. I'm going yeah. to have more donuts. <laughs> you have fun with that. Thanks. All right. But thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 94. Getting close to uh, episode 100. I'm excited. I did the math. It should be within three weeks, I think, because hypothetically, if we do 95 this week, I come home next week. We probably do one next week, 96. Uh, maybe two next week, get like 97, 98, throw a few in after TBR bowl and recap it after championship Saturday, Pick'ems I think that it should be right around Christmas time.
0: Yeah. yeah hopefully we do it right before Christmas because I'm going to be, you know, once, so like this is the second to last week classes, next week's last week classes, the week after that, the week where the Saturdays, the 18th, that's finals week. I'm going to be in New York again from probably the 16th or 17th until you know 20th or so um we haven't really figured out the details i know for a fact i'll be gone that weekend because it's my mom's birthday and she wants to go to new york so we're going down to new york um but yeah hopefully episode 100 is like around the 20 you know second or 23rd of december
1: i like that i like that a lot but yeah, thank you all so much for listening. Episode ninety-four. We will be back soon with ninety-five, probably week thirteen. Heckum, and we will see you all on a flipity side. Yes, sir.